0: absolutely
1: love, I you. love you love you love you it's it's awesome <laughs> oh hey how you doing welcome this is pt podcast a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight remarkable ideas and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy the best conversations happen at happy hour welcome to ours uh my name is Jimmy mckay McCam, a physical therapist i'll be your podcast host for the evening please keep your hands and feet inside your domicile until the podcast comes to a full and complete stop uh show is brought to you and broadcasting live from the Arias medical studios find them at aureusmedical.com that is aureusmedical.com leaders and hashtag travel physical therapy do what you want to do where you want to do it simple as that as a PT or a -A, PTA aureusmedical.com subscribe to the show it costs zero dollars it's free you love that uh but subscribe to it so you never miss an episode itunes spotify google podcasts that's where we're available also on all those podcast apps stitcher uh deezer all those different uh, uh aggregators or podcasts we're all we're all in there also video casting is on youtube facebook and twitter live right now at pt pinecast on the socials so if you're watching with this live comment below live and your name where you're from what you do if you're watching the replay we want to hear about that too drop replay your name let us know uh, what you do. Great show for you tonight. This is part three in a in a multi-part series. We have no idea how long this is gonna go. We're excited. And this started as much as people call Twitter and it can be a dumpster fire. Um, this series really started with a, cu- a couple of uh, oncology physical therapists having a conversation saying there are so many different parts of this of this niche of PT that we need to get this out there. and I literally just chimed in. And said okay let's do an episode and then we started figuring out this is not an episode this is multi episode so this part three so let's bring in our guests right now to thunderous applause let's welcome kelly reed hey and paula ladies welcome no. to no. show <laughs> So you got to pipe in your own um, crowd noise, right? Because a lot of us are working remotely 100% of the time or portion of the time, or we're not traveling as much. So I keep a crowd on standby, <laughs> just to give some self-esteem and some motivation throughout the day. But I want to say yeah. welcome. I want to say, uh, ladies, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us tonight.
2: Thanks for thank having us. us. Yeah. All
1: right. You. We get things out of the way. I'm very upfront. The first question, always the hardest, what are we drinking? Kelly, you're going to go first.
2: Well, I was running behind, so I'm stuck with a blue dolphin tonight. I like that. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> with it.
1: All right. Aubrey? Uh,
3: I am drinking this Reasons for Red F Cancer.
1: Oh, look at that. Tying in what she's drinking to the conversation.
2: Yes. That's,
1: <laughs> Word, that's worthy of a broom shakalaka. And then last but not least, Paula?
0: I know I'm the boring one so I got my iced tea and my water right here. <laughs> I'm sorry
1: you later 100. later you when we're, we're
0: done, done.
1: <laughs> It's fine uh, I'm doing a rock soda with lime I'm doing it in did you guys are you guys Game of Thrones fans at all yes so my favorite line I drink and I know things uh, and that's what we put on the back of our official pint glass for the show so uh, cheers oh. no matter what you're drinking it doesn't matter right. I don't know if you're having cheers. a good time <laughs> Uh, first round brought to you by our friends from uh, the uh, Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs who are looking for certification in BFR, because of BFR, blood flow restriction uh, training. Uh, Johnny Owens worked at Center for the Intrepid. He's involved in research in BFR. So find him online at OwensRecoveryScience.com. And they have a very in-depth podcast, always having uh, kind of a journal review on their show at Owens Recovery Science on iTunes. All right, we got that out of the way. So where are we going to begin? First of all, thank you guys for coming out. Again, I mentioned the intro. This started kind of on Twitter where we're like, someone was having a convo. How come no one understands this? Why don't people get that physical therapists are primed for this? And I'll say, in PT school, you know, and I graduated in 2016, which um, feels like 4,000 years ago that we're we're standing here in 2020, but... (laughs) It, it was mentioned in PT school, but then as we started to go around and I interacted with someone like this, Dr. Leslie Walkey, and we started, you know, going on Twitter and interacting, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is this is more than what we thought it was. So, uh, Kelly, let's, let's go around the horn and do introductions. So, Kelly, superhero backstory. How do you get to to here in your career?
2: Um, so I graduated in 2013 from Mayo and. Yeah. Like you said, I didn't have a whole lot of training at Mayo. We had just a little bit here and there. Um, And so I didn't really get it. I had a little bit of an internship for a week on an oncology floor at Mayo. And I kind of, you know, I enjoyed it, but I actually started neuro, graduated, went to a neuro job and that group wanted to expand their lymphedema and cancer program. And I was like, well, I did one week on an internship and I kind of liked it. So I went through all the training and I just kind of fell in love with it. So I've been doing it for the last seven years now.
1: How cool is that, though? Because your yeah. license literally allows you to do that. It's like, well, yeah. I read about it for several weeks online at home. And then <laughs> try it. as long as you're a safe therapist. But the best part is you're always learning from people and colleagues around you. And they yeah. are typically in this profession I've seen super welcoming about, hey, yeah. do you have the desire? Like, are you willing to hustle? Got it. No knowledge. That's okay. Which means, you know, I, I went from orthopedic outpatient cash-based sports to pediatrics in the drop of a hat. And I literally asked the person who hired me, why did you hire me? And she goes, we had no experience. I was like, right. And she goes, but you, you told me you had no bad habits. And I was like, oh, yeah, I had no habits. So I think that our profession is so welcoming in that in that manner, which is like, can you hustle? Do you care? That Those are the two pre- prerequisites to start off. So I love that. Uh- all Brain, Superhero Backstory, what do you got for us?
3: Well, similar to you, Jimmy, that um, I actually, I graduated about 17 years ago, and I thought I was going to be a pediatric PT, and I did do some pediatric uh, physical therapy, and I did um, outpatient. You had Drew Haverstock on the show? Yes. Like, way back. So Drew's the one that, he got me hired, I took his job. Um, Did some outpatient stuff and then moved into inpatient and always did some wound care with it. And then when some of my patients with wounds weren't getting 100% better, I was like, what's this lymphedema stuff? And then kind of got certified that way and then started kind of down the road more into oncology and other cases. And um, I work both up in Chicago and I also work at Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa. So it's like you don't even have to stay in one location
1: like you can there's so much you can do with your degree free to move about the country. Now, hold on. Are you physically going? Because now we have to ask because it's Whoa, so not right now.
3: <laughs> so you I, I, I could have I, and I still can right now. Um, so at the time when lockdown was supposed to happen, when we went into lockdown in Chicago, um, I was supposed to go to Tampa that weekend and work and because our cases in Chicago were the highest and there really wasn't anything going on in Florida, they I couldn't come to the cancer center. I was too much of a risk for the patients there um, with everything going on. And so then once it was fine up here in Chicago, um, it wasn't okay in Florida. And um, so then I couldn't travel back and forth and now I, I can, um, it's just, you know, how much is it needed? So I do both inpatient and outpatient. So it's kind of a it's a
1: good mix. Right. And you use one of the uh the the key catchphrases of 2020 with everything that's going on. That's kind of how we encapsulate things. <laughs> 2020, you know, with everything going on, like you don't know how to like sum everything up. So we just literally just do, we do that. I've done that a hundred thousand times in the last six months. So well, that's yeah. interesting. I like that. That's that's great. It really just shows the depth and breadth of, of physical therapy. Do you need to be in the same state? all the time no like you can design i'm a physical therapist radio host like this does that doesn't make any sense that's what i do but you can do that if there's a need right and if there if you can deliver something that brings someone information or joy or happiness or motivation like you can you can make a job out of that and i want people to do that uh paula what do you got for us superhero backstory lay it on us
0: well first of all you guys make me feel really old yeah. because I graduated much longer ago. But anyway, um, I love telling the story that about a year after I graduated from physical therapy school, I had wonderful mentors who were always very cognizant of uh, making sure that we offered, you know, all the different specialty areas. And because of that, I went to the lymphedema training to learn how to treat lymphedema and I always love telling people that what I did not realize is how much uh, not only how much it would change my treatment focus but how much it would change my life because I started working with cancer patients and so a long time ago I started seeing those deficits you know that uh, cancer patients would have because they'd be referred uh, to me for treatment of lymphedema but they would mention things like difficulty getting in and out of their car going up and down stairs reaching into their medicine cabinet you know, so things like core weaknesses, range of motion deficits. And I thought, man, this stuff is being ignored. And so again, that was a long time ago. So I've kind of grown along with the whole oncology rehab progression and the, the, just the um, huge explosion of research in exercise um, and how much that helps cancer patients. And it, so it's been amazing, but it absolutely is just really cool how it just totally transformed my whole focus and my whole uh, progression with my treatment focus.
1: So. And and you can do that again. Yep. I mean, this is like me, you said, yeah. being a non-paid sponsor of our profession, which I think all of us should be non-paid <laughs> sponsors of our own profession. But <laughs> no, if, if you're doing something for a long time and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I just, I'm just not as in love with this anymore and I'm very inspired about this, how great is it that our license and our, our degree allows us to just yep. learn more and then go do if that's what you want to do. So I love that. All right. Well, let's start with Kelly. Kelly. Uh, Kelly, in terms of uh, a PT's role in breast and gynecologic cancer treatment, talk to us about that because I think now we're now we're going very, very deep, you know, we're going deeper into the niche of treating patients with cancer with with our profession, with physical therapy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of piggyback up what the other two talked about. We talked before, you, you as a physical therapist, I think a lot of times, A lot of therapists, they hear the word cancer and you panic a little bit, but you step back and look at the impairments, the functional limitations, and it's really everything that you've learned. So for breast, the common, we are looking at, you know, for surgery, we're looking at tightness, we're looking at cording, we're looking at weakness, lymphedema, um, we're looking at scar tissue, fatigue. Um, you go to chemotherapy. So you're looking at the treatment of chemotherapy and you're seeing, you know, fatigue is probably one of the biggest ones. You're seeing peripheral neuropathy, um, which is causing some imbalance. You're looking at balance. You're looking at loss of muscle mass, um, changes, just weakness in general, some cardio changes or decrease uh, tolerance to activity. Um, and then you go to radiation. And so you're going to the next one and you're looking at radiation fibrosis or kind of like that scar tissue, which causes tightness. And then shoulder dysfunction, scapular dysfunction, um, and the list goes on and on. So, really, for breasts, if if you take the word cancer away in some form a little bit, and just look at the impairments or limitations, you just have a long list that you got to get through um, to help these individuals. So, and then um, for gynecologic, so I a lot of um, gynecologic cancers end up going to pelvic health, which is great. So I. Did a little extra training with Herman and Wallace a couple of years ago and did some more specifically for that population. So, um, but again, it's, it's pretty similar to what you would do out of the, you know, the, the specifically the cancer world or the oncology world. Um, you're looking at pain, you're looking at weakness, um, you'll see pelvic floor dysfunction, um, scar tissue or radiation fibrosis externally, but also internally kind of feeling comfortable with that. So a lot of just general things that you may see on another individual, um, you just have to have a little understanding of what these individuals are going through in the treatment and where the precautions and the safety is with them.
1: I want to stop you right there. Yeah. If audience right now listening, either live or record on the podcast takes nothing else away from tonight's episode, just stop. It's that you need to treat these people for what you see. Like, is, like, like because because we've said this before again a lot of times myself included if you if you hear someone has cancer you all of a sudden well I don't want to and I'm backing away from the camera you know for the podcast audience we <laughs> back away when even though research will show us that physical activity and physical therapy our interventions will help them. But for some, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just societal. And, and you know, we call, we even call it the big C, right? Which is, oh, man, so-and-so has the big C. And it is, uh, I'm not downplaying devastating and scary and, and intimidating. But as physical therapists, what Kelly just said, you need to understand what type of cancer they have, what that's going to do, what treatment they are, where they are in that treatment, to know how they might be responding. You don't have to be able to test that response and know what's typical. So this just sounds like being really prepared
2: hmm. I think and I think this has been said in past podcasts, but a big thing with our group is, you know, there are millions of cancer survivors or those who are going through cancer treatment. And every single therapist, depending on it doesn't no, it doesn't matter what area you work in, whether you're peds geriatric orthopedics you're going to see someone who has gone through cancer in some form and you have to be comfortable and know just kind of meet them where they're at and have an understanding of some of these things like cording. you probably won't see cording in a general shoulder orthopedic injury but you have an idea what cording is and generally how to treat it at least you can help them where they're at
1: yeah be prepared be smart be knowledgeable and if you come across something And I was taught this in pediatrics, too, because there's a lot of different things in pediatrics that I remember someone explained to me either on an intake form or in person and me having that poker face like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. And the entire time I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but swallow that and go, I need to go find out about that. I need to go educate myself because this is obviously important because I ran into a lot of situations where parents in pediatrics were way more educated about a condition or a treatment or intervention and they had never heard of it. I I can't take that personally. All right, I just got to say, hey, I need. I'm gonna I'm gonna be better right now. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make that effort. So I feel like that that lesson fits right now as well in terms of saying, hey, be educated, be prepared to make sure that you know what's going on.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's it's just a great takeaway message. All right, uh, lymphedema. You mentioned that. Um, I feel like that's something that again was mentioned in PT school, but PT school is meant to make us a very, very great general, safe general practitioner of physical therapy. So uh, you mentioned, you know, lymphedema becoming involved in cancer treatment. We know that. Um, Let's dig into that just a little bit, you know, kind of go into what is it? We'll go macro to micro.
2: What is lymphedema? Is that what you're asking?
1: Let's go with treatment. So we can yeah, start with treatment. Lymphedema or, yeah. or we can go with, you know, in terms of treatment, just because the audience probably knows what it is. And if they don't, they should educate themselves.
2: <laughs> yeah, so lymphedema is pretty common. Uh, most common risk is getting lymph nodes removed. So you think about cancer, they're looking at biopsying lymph nodes, or for some it's affected the lymph nodes. And so what happens when you take them out is some people will get lymphedema, the dysfunction of, or backup of the lymphatic system. So, what do we treat it? Well, generally, we call it de, uh, complete decongestive therapy. Well, it will be bandaging, compression bandaging. It will be exercises to help get the muscles pumping with the lymphatics. And then we will also do a self care, skin care, and manual lymphatic drainage. So, that light massage you may have learned in PT school. Um, and then we'll transition to them in some sort of compression stocking or garment or something that they can do to self-manage that lymphedema long-term. So you'll see it in the arms, um, maybe in the breast for breast cancer, gynecologic, you'll see either genital swelling or in the legs, and then head and neck, you'll probably see it more up top.
1: Yeah. Just, just understand that PT can help. I mean, current current research suggests that physical therapy is a gigantic benefit even though some other practitioners might not think to suggest to see a physical therapist.
2: Yeah. So that's one of the big things. So I started a Instagram and a YouTube channel just for some of this. But the reason I started that was for that exact reason. I had a woman probably about four or five years ago come to me from out of state, somewhere a little more rural. And for five years, she had this swollen arm after her breast cancer treatment. And she walked into me, never hearing the word lymphedema. She didn't even know what that was. And I don't, I think my jaw dropped in that moment, probably not the most professional, but I just, I didn't understand like how you could go five years seeing all these doctors and no one could tell you that you have lymphedema. And it was stage three, it was pretty swollen. Um, And so I realized that that's just not common knowledge everywhere. You're not getting a lot of that education from providers or doctors. So I was like, well, I just, want to educate everyone just just know what this is so you can reach out to a doctor or find someone who can help you
1: yeah yeah this goes into like you know i talked about me being a radio dj you know physical therapist not not making any sense but um knowledge translation right we won't even call it like social media right that's just that's just a way to transmit information knowledge translation is something that is studied um, among social scientists or psychologists and they're saying like what do we know? Well, who's we, right? So someone who works with patients with lymphedema, we know a lot, but the general public, less. But the scary part is other practitioners who might be working with those patients, stage three cancer, she's seen how many providers in that situation? Dozens, right? Yeah. And it was obvious enough that someone would be able to see it, right? I mean, from your description,
2: Oh, she knew, uh, yeah, it's very obvious. It looked like a small leg on the arm, but no one told her what it was.
1: Right, and the fact, like, there was a disconnect there. So yeah. you creating an Instagram page and a YouTube page, a way to not, you know, not not, not just share social media content as we're living a thumb thumb world, but really knowledge translation that is sharing the best evidence with people who need it. Um, so we'll make sure we, uh, we share that as well in the comments below so people can get uh, hooked up with that because I think the more we share, the more we'll all be, right? If you're creating great content, um, you know, I, I've had uh, I've had people create YouTube accounts or Instagram accounts and actually prescribe, uh, you know what, you need to see, see video 127. That's really gonna help you. Instead of having to say, listen, see it on your own time. I could give you a sheet right now or a brochure, but hey, listen, this is the world we're in. We like this interactive stuff. Look at episode 127 and then, you know what, and then, thir- then do exercises 38, 62, and 75. And they write that down like they're taking a Chinese food order. Great. Got it. And they're out the door because that's the kind of world we live in, which is like on demand on my time. So good on you. For, kudos for you. That's worth the hell. yeah. yeah. Boom, shakalaka. Shakalaka for taking that, seeing a gap in understanding and filling that. So okay. good for you. That's fantastic. Uh, Paul, we come to you. Why is it essential to include inpatient education with cancer patients? Why is that essential?
0: I love this question um, because I feel that one of the most important things we do with our patients is educate them because you know knowledge is power that might sound a little cliche but we really can power them to help them along their journey and I know this whole evening just listening to Kelly talk already that um, we're gonna we're gonna say a lot of the same things because right. it's what we do but Um, First of all, as far as education for our cancer patients, um, I feel like that we, all cancer patients, that we need to educate them about cancer-related fatigue. Um, Cancer-related fatigue is the number one side effect of cancer treatment. It, It just is. And almost everyone will experience that. And it's multifactorial. So, so many things contribute to this. So, if we can explain to them what it is, this unrelenting feeling of, you know, just being tired all the time, then we can help them manage it. And we can help them, you know, do things like energy conservation or maybe even journaling to figure out what's causing it. Um, But most importantly, exercise is really the number one treatment for cancer-related fatigue. So um, we can, you know, and we are, we're physical therapists, so we're movement specialists. And so it has to be the right exercise. What exercise is to my sedentary patient that never gets off the couch versus my patient who was a marathon runner and just had surgery is very different. And so- We are the ones to educate them there. So that's one of the main things I feel like that we um, educate all cancer patients in, but Another thing is um, just educating them about side effects of their cancer treatment. Um, For example, certain chemotherapy drugs cause certain side effects. So for example, some of them cause chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy. So maybe they have numbness and tingling in their legs, or maybe they have it in their hands, um, and sometimes it's painful. But if it's in their lower extremities, then that causes balance issues. So we can address that and we can Um, reduce their risk of falling, but if it's in their upper extremities, then, you know, that's going to affect their ADLs um, sometimes and, and uh, just, you know, getting just everything. Um, So, and then another area that I feel is so important is to teach them um, about lymphedema. So you've already brought that up. Okay. So, and you brought up that, yeah, it can be treated and it also can be, you know, I used to be real careful about saying we can reduce your risk, but it's, it's not so, um, outside of the box to say that we really can help prevent it if we see them early enough. And I know we'll talk about this hopefully a little bit later too about surveillance, but we can teach them things uh, that they can do to help prevent it, hopefully most of the time. But we can definitely help prevent it from progressing if they already, you know, do have lymphedema. But yeah, well, most importantly, I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, no, keep going.
0: Oh, I'll just, you know, talk, talk, talk. But <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, you know, with all of it, I just I think we have the amazing opportunity to educate our cancer patients that there's something they can do. They don't have to accept the new normal as the new normal, but that many of the issues that they might be dealing with can be addressed with physical therapy. And just, you know, like you said, that we can address this. And as Kelly mentioned, you know, there are over 17 million cancer survivors in the U.S. So if you're a PT, you're going to see patients that have had or have cancer. So the more we know about those side effects and the more we can educate patients about what they're gonna be going through, you know, the better they're gonna do as they go through it.
1: Yeah, on this screen right now, minus me, there's a lot of information. <laughs> but also listening and watching right now, there's a lot of information, you have this. And I usually tell this before we go live, I usually talk to the guests before we go live. What you have is very valuable, don't discount that. And I'm gonna say it again, because it's really important. What you have is very valuable, don't discount that. I remember in PT school just seeing uh, patient education as, uh, hey, this type of this type of pathology, patient education, and I was like, this is a the throwaway. They just include that. My professor Kathy Elrod just includes that on every every single pathology, and I'm just like, hey, it becomes white noise, right? And then I went to clinicals, and I was like, oh, that should be first and large and bolded, underlined, italicized, and and neon yellow, because that is a major part. Of what we're able to do. So hearing Paula and Kelly, I mean, I always tell people we see these themes emerge without on being on purpose. They start to emerge. What you guys know, what we all know, and we, as in terms of the people on the screen, the people listening, as a community, as a healthcare community, as a profession, valuable. Let's make sure we make sure. Sh- let's make sure we don't leave the ball in the one yard line. Let's make sure we deliver that. So to hear you to hear you say that, just I mean warms the cockles of my heart because my degree <laughs> is communication first and
0: I think it's one of the most important things we do. And I yeah. you know I always say we're gonna be their biggest cheerleaders. And you know, we may be the only person that gives them hope that day, you know, that, oh, there's something you can do um, for that. So
1: Yeah. And that and that is on the inspirational end, right? I start I start off the show by saying, you know, inspirational stories. And then it, Kelly highlights the basic end in, in terms of basics are always good, which is somebody walked past that person for several years and didn't mention that there's lymphedema in your arm. It was so big that you could see it. Like, so inspiration, that's the thing that maybe you can't see when someone's really in need of a push or a hug. Remember when we used to hug people back in the day, um, a hug or a motivation, you know, a virtual push, but sometimes it's, Hey, um, has anybody talked to you about about your arm there? Like, have what are we doing about that? Have you ever heard in you know Kelly mentioned her jaw hitting the floor? But that's that should shock us. I don't I don't want that to shock someone. You know, a year or two years from now, I hope that starts to spread. And that and that's really why we're having this conversation. It's why Kelly creates an Instagram and a YouTube uh, account as well. Uh, Paul, you alluded to a surveillance team. This seems very, very. It seems very, very FBI, CIA-ish. What is a surveillance team? Talk about oh yeah, team that.
0: <laughs> Well, you know, um, I there's there's a couple different ways I think to talk about this, but we um, should absolutely be part of the healthcare team that is the surveillance team that is following up with these cancer patients on an ongoing basis. So, for example, if we're talking about breast cancer patients, and even just talking specifically about lymphedema. Um, but any cancer patient, we should see them at time of diagnosis. Now, we don't always have an ideal world, right? We don't always get to see these patients right away, but if we can and we can get a baseline, great. We know that they are going to, you know, um, that just as soon as they are diagnosed with cancer, that the treatments that they're going to undergo are going to introduce various sequela and side effects that are gonna affect their function. And so the sooner we can treat them, the better because early intervention is gonna help decrease the severity um, it's going to help prevent impairments along the way. Um, if you want to specifically talk about lymphedema, if you catch it early, then you can prevent the secondary tissue damage that's going to happen if they get, like Kelly was talking about this, stage two or stage three, where you're like, how did this not get addressed? And, you know, we have come a long way, I think, with, but, you know, with with seeing patients earlier, for sure, from when I started a million years ago, like we talked about. <laughs> but um, definitely, the sooner we can start with them, the better and the more we can prevent secondary damage um, to their tissues. But not just that, also with our cancer patients, I'm I'm sorry, with any cancer patient, because we can be teaching them about some side effects they might have from a a particular chemo drug. Like I said, you know, the chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy. So we can make sure that we have their baseline. and, And if we already need to work on some things like balance or range of motion, um, we can do that. Or before they have surgery, we can we can teach them things to do to prevent loss of range of motion. But yeah. the other thing about surveillance is when we see them at regular periods after, you know, hopefully we can see get a baseline before uh, any treatment starts, uh, but that's not always possible. But for example, if we see them after surgery, if we see them at regular periods along the way, then we become part of that team who also might um, identify red flags, you know, relapses, recurrences, etc. So we're part of that surveillance team in a couple, couple different ways. But as far as physical therapy, absolutely, and helping to reduce progression of um, decline in function and, and further functional, you know, loss.
1: Yeah. Prevention that's got to be the one that really hits us because if you see something that you're saying, "Hey, if I and you know, you never want to say it out loud, but if I had seen you 6 months ago, this this might have been might not have been an issue." That one it's for as a therapist. I mean, you really feel that one. It's a kick in the gut right there. And we hate when that happens. So glad that there are things like surveillance teams. Glad that PTs are not only now we've had some people on the on the show recently not only in in the conversation but sometimes leading these teams and that has come from pts proactively speaking out from people in different walks of life and different backgrounds coming into the profession which is always good when you can become more diverse um because then you bring different skill sets and now pts are not only in the conversation sometimes they're leading the conversation we can start to direct some of these things. Last thing I want to talk to you about, exercise guidelines involved in breast cancer and lymphedema. Does it differ pre and post surgery? Talk about that.
0: Well, you know, I think it's important um, to note with as far as breast cancer patients exercise guidelines is that um, they don't need to be afraid to exercise, that there's, there's plenty of evidence that shows that, um, that exercise is okay and that it does not exacerbate lymphedema. Um, So if we're talking about breast cancer patients in that way, but for all cancer patients, there's strong evidence for the, the protective effect of activity Against a lot of cancers, colon, breast, endometrial, kidney, bladder, esophageal, stomach, you know, so lots of different cancers. And that um, even helping reduce risk of recurrence. So I think when we get into that, we can even talk about the exercise prescription just a little bit um, as far as what is recommended by the ACSM is that um, even just uh, three times a week, 30 minute sessions for these patients. Um, is beneficial, and um, then a couple days a week of resistance exercises. and that has really been shown, like I said, not just to um, help them as they go through their treatment to do better and to heal better, but also to help prevent recurrence. So I feel like that's really important. But with those with those breast cancer patients, those lymphedema patients, um, exercise has been shown to be safe and effective and they can, um, you know, wear their compression sleeve if they need it. And again, that's where we come in with the education because exercise in, isn't just exercise. You know, you have to, you have to really have the right exercise prescription.
1: Yeah, don't back away. Make sure you understand what's proper, right? Yeah, it's not your feeling. It, this is what we know. Like this yeah. is what we know now in terms of what these uh, patients should be getting and can and can get safely, right? As long as you pay sure. attention and monitor those yellow and red flags. Um, Aubrey, let's bring you into the conversation. Yeah. Uh, why is it essential to include? Um, w- what is essential to include in patient education with with cancer patients? We covered that. Sorry, wounds. Let's talk about that. Uh, cancer. In lymphedema treatment, wounds. I did the orange thing in PT school, and that's about as deep as I went into wound care because I saw some pictures and heard from professors that were there were smells, and then it freaked me out and I ran away.
3: Yeah, I mean it's not for everybody. I I will. It's definitely not for everybody. Um, But wound care, listen. There's a ton of people that have comorbidities. Um, if you can even think, when was the last time you had a patient that didn't have something else going on, that just had one diagnosis?
2: Right. Um,
3: so, and thinking about, you know, how did these wounds maybe start? Um, oftentimes there's a comorbidity uh, that's going on with that, with the, whether that be diabetes, whether that be something autoimmune, uh, maybe something with obesity, um, could be a nutritional issue. Uh, malnutrition is a big one. Um, that, you know, venous disease, something else going on that might be on top of this cancer diagnosis is usually one of the more typical things that happens. Um, Another one is the multiple surgeries. So um, when you're having cancer treatment, it might be that first they're going to do a biopsy, um, whether that be a skin biopsy because it's skin cancer related and they're doing a punch biopsy and then they have to go back and do a wide excision later um, because maybe the melanoma went deeper. And then they also have to take out lymph nodes related to that surgery. And then there may be other, you know, surgical, they might find another tumor somewhere else. So there might be a lot of different surgeries that are happening that are causing wound after wound that this person's trying to heal from. And if they don't have the proper nutrients and other things going on, they might not be able to heal from that Um, and scar tissue on top of all of that. Um, and then there can be things like seromas forming, just a lot of fluid. And if um, oftentimes when you have a surgery, they'll have drains put in for a period of time. And sometimes if the patient just is having too much output, the drains stay in a little bit longer and then that's a route for possible infection, which can lead to other issues. Um, even somebody, if they have lymphedema and say they were like the um, patient Kelly was talking about and the limb size is really large, just the weight of that limb, maybe pressing against a shoe or a tube or anything, can cause wound breakdown. Um, right now, you might be seeing it with people with their masks on their faces, um, getting wounds that aren't, you know, even related to lymphedema or cancer treatment. It, you might be seeing just, you know, everything going on with um, COVID. Um, you know, just and thinking about the stresses that we might place on them. So if say I'm working with a patient um, who has breast cancer and if I don't physically look at their skin and assess them and I start doing maybe some aggressive mobilizations, I might not know that I'm stretching their skin in a way that their skin's not going to tolerate. And I could um, be promoting a dehiscence too. So thinking about things like that.
1: Yeah. I mentioned before, you don't know what the theme is before you start, and then all of a sudden it, it materializes, which is knowing what these pathologies are, comorbidities is really what our brain is bringing in. When's the last time you saw a patient with just one thing going on, right? And then knowing what these things can potentially cause and know how to spot it and make sure you are con- conscious of it. You're mentioning making sure you're looking at the skin, not just taking their word for it, because maybe they don't understand what you're saying. Maybe, Maybe you're not... Maybe you're not using words that they're familiar with, but they're just yesing you.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, current PTS, current PTAs, students. How can they arm themselves? How can they become more aware of these topics and these conditions? Because, as we've alluded to throughout this show, seventeen million is a big number. Like you're you're going to come across this, and you should be asking. This should be on. You should be. Be able to get this information from people who walk into your clinic or in your facility that should be highlighted um, on an intake form. How can PTs, PTAs, students become more aware of these topics and these conditions that can be seen in any clinic? What can they do? What would you suggest they do to become more armed and forewarned?
3: Okay, so if we're thinking about oncology altogether, I mean, it's redundant that you're going to say the academy for sure um, and the student SIG that's surrounding it. Twitter, Twitter is amazing. So if you go to any of the APTA, um, you know, academy sections, even say it's that, you know, it's not oncology, but it's orthopedics and follow them and then look at who they're following and maybe follow some of those people. And I mean, it's the fastest way for me to get articles instead of, I mean, going down research rabbit holes is pulling stuff off of Twitter or getting it um, from the academy. In relationship to um, lymphedema, there's um, uh, uh, lymphedema network.org that you can look at. There's Lana um, that you can also check out. Um, you can just look on um, any of the academy websites or any of the lymphedema um, certification places and see if you can find somebody that's got either what we would say is a CLT, which is a certified lymphedema therapist or um, a CES, which is a um, certified um, edema specialist, and see if that would be that they've had some additional training, um, 135 hours or more, that that might be somebody that you could either reach out to or see about some of those programming. Um, You can even take uh, different online classes and kind of add them together to get 135 hours to become a lymphedema specialist. So it's not something that you have to go to the big course to get you can just kind of sample a course and see if you like it um for other wound care especially um like there's now there's the academy um that they have for you know electrophysiology and wound care and they have a student sig and even with um within there they're going to have free webinars and they have right now that's free for everybody that if you look at under they have a pressure um task force, and they have uh, some handouts related to COVID and preventing um, pressure ulcers and pressure um, injuries in patients that you might be seeing in the hospital right now. Uh, there's also the American Board of Wound Management, and they have, if you look under their continuing ed, they have a whole section of just free classes, and I always I say if it's free, it's for me um so lots of lots of good free stuff right now Uh, taking advantage of all these different uh virtual things right now is the best best way
1: just leaning into your profession right you mentioned the apta and they've got sections and academies for a reason and those are staffed by your colleagues right and that's that's the idea behind that is let's find these people who are super passionate about these areas use those networks and those free resources use those things I mean, you might even tell people to listen to a podcast. That could be, in theory, a resource. That who who would have known that having a couple of drinks with some colleagues? Uh, but if you've been to a conference, uh, a section or academy event, you've known some of the greatest conversations happen over a drink with colleagues um, at, at one of those events. So, uh, great advice all around. I strongly suggest if you're if you're interested, if you're still listening, you're nodding along. Section, uh, you know, is is probably a way to go. Academies within the APTA. And I will give a nod for this, and I do it all the time because I didn't know this as a student. When you join a section or academy in the APTA, you spend that money, right? Make sure you get their value. Join every SIG because it's free. The SIGs are free, no additional charge. Join everyone. Get on every listserv. Get on every free webinar. Take it for a test drive for a year and then say, okay, I'm drawn to this and maybe not so much this, so I'll back out. And this way, you're, ma- you're getting the best bang for your buck in terms of of information so i love that uh ladies a lot of information i can't believe i'll bring you mentioned hey twitter why not this conversation came from twitter i was going to point that out not too shabby um so so make sure you're you're following you're you're seeing what other people are sharing on those social networks uh ladies a lot of information shared are you ready to do we have a tradition on a show called three questions are you ready for that
2: yeah let's do it. Sure.
1: three questions brought to you by our friends from Marius medical staffing leaders in travel physical therapy find them online at aur Uh let your pt license take you where you want to go Right. And, you know, sometimes you can live somewhere and just fly back and forth between Chicago and Florida. Who knew you could do that? Well, you can A U uh, R E U S Aureusmedical.com. Again, go there. Check out what they have to offer. Aureusmedical.com. We'll go around the horn clockwise. Kelly, I'll bring Paula. First question is a where question. Kelly, you're in Minneapolis, but where would you want to go if you could just, hey, I'm going to pick up and do a travel assignment for like three months. Where would you want to go in the 50 U.S. states?
2: Yeah, so I'm definitely in the north. It is already cold here, so I will go somewhere warm. Yeah, um, Probably something like the Carolinas sound pretty good right now. Something that has some beaches, but also some mountains, and you can drive to both. That sounds pretty good.
1: All right, Aubreen, uh, where are you going? If you got carte blanche, where are you going? Maui. Yeah. I,
2: <laughs> I have, I have uh, family friends in Maui, and it's
3: amazing. Just...
1: I bring this up all the time because, number one, there are positions there. People just think, oh, Hawaii, they're all locked up. James Spencer sent me. This is an actual coconut. Oh my god, that's awesome! When he was doing did you know you could just write on a coconut? This is not my current address. Don't be. Don't be going. But you can just write someone's address and throw stamps on a coconut. The U.S. Postal Service will deliver a coconut to your house. You can do that. Who would Who knew? When it showed up, I knew. Uh, Paula, where are you going? If you can go anywhere.
0: I agree with Kelly. I'm going south. So <laughs> I'm thinking like Tennessee, the great, the smoky mountains up yeah. in the hills and all the trees. And yeah, maybe I can treat people out of a cabin or something.
1: Do that. <laughs> I to or something I? <laughs> Second question is a what question. What's something you've watched or read or listened to a book, a movie, a podcast that you think the audience would get value from? And I just leave it open at a therapy or whatever value, any value, doesn't matter what.
2: So I come to this every couple times a year. I would say I go back and watch Jimmy V's '93 SB speech. Um, I feel like it's just it's a, it's funny, but it's motivating and just helps you remember the important things in life, whether you have cancer or you don't. It's just yeah. a good speech.
1: Yeah. What was it? Laugh, cry, and learn. If you do one of each of those three things every day, you had a good day. I mean, like oh, yeah. choke up every time you even say those words. Those yeah. are immortal. Um, yeah, Aubrey. Good luck following the Jimmy V. <laughs> right.
3: um, I really love the Reach podcast. That's okay, um, no, oncology. It's oncology. Know. It's um, with an exercise physiologist, and he brings on all different people from all walks of life. It's it's really good.
1: Sounds like a future episode to me. Let's get that guy on this show. I love yeah. that. I love people sharing good information. Just share it, uh, Paula. What's your what?
0: What's my what? Yeah, oh yeah. The <laughs> that written, I would watch. I'm sorry. Same question. Okay. Question, um,
1: yeah.
0: I, yeah. No, definitely. So, um, as far as um, the podcasts, I really like Table 40. It's very inspirational and I like Reach as well, like Aubrey said. And as far as a book, um, I think I mentioned Dr. Andrew Taylor Still. He was the um, MD that developed the DO program, but he, uh, it's very inspirational, and he talked about that uh, how important human touch is, and how much we all need human touch and that hands-on. So I, I really like that too.
1: If we're ever highlighting the importance there, I mean, I don't remember the last time I gave someone a hug at this point, right? Oh,
0: <laughs> it's I'm a hugger. It's killing me. Okay,
1: we'll hug it out <laughs> soon. So have a conference and everything's all safe. You and I were hug it out. <laughs> like, uh, third, third, let's do it. Third question on three questions. We'll go with Kelly first. Is a who question? Who is someone the audience should mo- know more about, open-ended?
2: Yeah, so I'm a little biased, but the physical medicine rehab doctor that I work with each day is Dr. Nancy Hutchison. I believe she is on Twitter, um, but she's just wonderful. Um, she really values physical therapy, cancer rehab, and she's just really passionate. Her patients just absolutely love her. They come from all over to see her. Um, so she's someone I would definitely go up and follow on Twitter.
1: Love that. Love when people speak passionately about other people that inspire them. Aubrey, who's your who? Uh,
3: Alexandra Hill. Um, she's one of our, there's a few that are double boarded, but um, she was the second class of oncology um, physical therapist. And she's also pelvic floor certified.
1: Yeah. I love that. When people For just health. keep going. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Paula. What do you got so you
0: remember, you remember me talking about how I had wonderful mentors from the beginning, and right. the the one who hired me from the beginning and was instrumental in my life and so many other PTs that I know their lives. Her name is Brenda Nicolai. She's actually an orthopedic certified specialist. But she said to me in my interview don't ever get stale don't ever get content with where you are there's more to learn you can always learn more and i live by that so love it
1: love that all right that's three questions from our friends at aria's medical staffing again AUR medicalcom last thing we do is the parting shot When we we first started doing this, people got real nervous, like, do we have to have it? Not that kind of shot. Just kind of like something short and sweet at the end there. So parting shot, really a chance, uh, last chance for a mic drop moment. Something to leave the audience with. Brought to you by our friends from the Academy of, talking about joining the Academy. If you want to learn the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, find them online at orthopt.org. Leaders in uh, orthopedic physical therapy with great independent study courses. So we'll go around the horn again. Last chance, what would you want to leave with the audience of PTs, PTAs, and students in, uh, in both of those areas? Kelly, what do you got for us for your parting shot?
2: Yeah, so going into the oncology world, my biggest thing I always say is these symptoms, these side effects that these individuals or patients are going through, they are common, but they are not normal, and they shouldn't have to live with these long-term. So.
1: Common, but not normal. So focus on that and be educated to know the difference between common, but not normal. All right, Aubrey and parting shot time for you.
3: (laughs) Um, That these patients have comorbidities that we can address and um, things that are going on with them are definitely things that we have the skill set for. And in terms of wounds, my favorite uh, product is a silver silicone um, wound dressing that you can get over the counter at any major box store.
1: All right, I like that. And the edges, I envision I can still go back to the (laughs) PT4 pictures when you bring up wound care and great. So I like that. Uh, Your parting shot.
0: So, absolutely, always, my thing is that physical therapy should be part of the cancer care continuum. And we should be involved with these patients from the time of diagnosis through survival through end of life because we can help. And uh, cancer treatment cancer, going through cancer is such a dynamic process. So things vary as they go along through treatment and we can address those things and we can help them to improve their quality of life and to slow decline and just, just to do the best they can do as they go throughout.
1: Yeah. All right. Great talk. Great information motivates us to, to to get more uh physical therapists working in oncology because i feel like there's more work to be done thank you guys for doing it for sharing tonight and for continuing to do what you do uh, appreciate your time ladies thanks,
2: thanks for thank having you. having us
1: Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet, ptpintcast.com. Created by BuildPT. BuildPT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what BuildPT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The P.T.
2: Pinecast is a product of P.T. Pinecast, LLC.
1: It's poured fresh by me. Physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. (laughs) And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pintcast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pintcast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts.
2: I absolutely love you. I love
0: you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend.
2: This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.